0: What's going on? (laughs) What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here for the 2023 NBA playoffs. I thought for a second I wasn't going to be able to do this. My computer was heating up like a fucking oven and just shutting down. It seems like it's okay for now. We live from Los Angeles. Oh, my God. My green screen is bugging out. Hold on one second. I got to fix that for the good people in the live. Shout out to the good people in the live joining me on 1230. A. M. on a Saturday night, or I guess a Sunday morning, whatever you want to call it, after the Clippers lose Game Four to the Suns in L. A. and go down three games to one, and the Lakers go up two games to one, gonna be talking about both. But I'm just gonna preface by saying that I only got to see the first half of the Laker game because it's my parents' anniversary night. So shout out to my parents, best parents in the world. Um, I only got to watch the first half, but I think that was enough, honestly. And then I, you know, saw tweets from people that I. Obviously respect their basketball opinions about the Laker game, and kind of got the gist, I'd say. So many other games though, that I didn't get to watch this weekend, like the Celtics, the Nets games. I didn't even watch either of those games in Brooklyn. Um, I still plan on watching those games. I didn't even get to watch the King's Warriors game because I was at the Clipper game, so I've just been really overwhelmed, to be honest, and I didn't even get to go to the game today, which was really sad. This was the first Clipper playoff home game when I was living in LA that I hadn't been to since game three against the Houston Rockets in 2015 when Austin rivers went off. I've been, when I was in college, obviously I missed that warrior series, but all the other games in LA playoffs, I've been at every single one, 2021, 2017, 2016. So it was tough to miss it. I was coaching kids. It was definitely worth it. Though. I had a great time, but I got to miss it. And I watched the game and look, it just it felt like a carbon copy of game 3 in many ways. Great start we got off to, so much def, you know, really good defensive intensity. We made a change. Marcus Morris senior starting instead of Nico. Back to square one, I guess. And look, Nico hasn't been playing very well. He hasn't been shooting the ball well, but his defense has still been pretty good. Um Marcus Morris, I mean, look, we know what he's about in terms of how good he is at this stage of his career. And we gave him another chance. Ty Lue gave him another chance. That's his boy. And, you know, he couldn't guard. It's the same old stuff we've seen all season. That rest didn't change. He's just old. His knees, you know, he's gone through a lot. He's played a lot. He's owed $16 million next year. That's a bad contract. But The point is he didn't really do much. He had a couple of good moments. Like, one, he drew an offensive foul. He made a three. But overall, he didn't really help the team. First quarter, though, we were good. I mean, and guess who sets the tone yet again? Russell Goatbrook. I mean, he has just been out of this world in this series. He's been great in every fucking game. I've got so much to say about Russ, but I'm going to save it as I continue. Great first quarter. Kevin Durant was being guarded by Eric Gordon, which was I thought was hilarious. And KD wasn't going at him at all. Norm was guarding Book, and look, I give Norm credit. He was trying his hardest. He can't guard Devin Booker, man. Devin Booker has just been unreal in this series. Definitely miss a Pat Bev that got under his skin in 2021, but I think he's gotten better since then. He's taken that experience from the finals. Yes, he choked last year in Game 7, but... I've always said for three years now. I think Devin Booker's a top ten player in the league, probably like ninth or tenth. But I'm taking him over at John Morant any day of the week. Cause John Morant, the regular season, and I heard he played really well in the fourth quarter night. He's great in the pick and roll, but D. Book, when it comes to the playoffs, you can't do shit about the shots he makes and takes. Uh, I'm a big guy in terms of tough shot making. Yes, he doesn't get. To, you can say he doesn't get to the rim like that. John Morant's incredible at getting to the rim, but Devin Booker has been the sun. The only one, really, that's been getting to the rim off the bounce in this series for them with any consistency. He's been impossible to guard. And in that first half, just the first half, it felt like Devin Booker. I mean, you could say in the whole series, to be honest, but I don't believe it. That Devin Booker looks like the best player on the court for the Suns. I mean, in in general, because no Kawhi. KD has had this whole, I'm not trying to step on his toes thing for a lot of it, but... Devin Booker just seems tougher to deal with right now. At least for us. And maybe KD saving it. I still won't say that Devin Booker is better than Kevin Durant yet. But in this series, I mean, there's been no debate. Second quarter, you know, I think the Clippers bench. There was some really good stuff in there. Mason Plumlee was fantastic. Zubats, I mean, in the first quarter, he was so poor. He was do like, there's two kinds of zoos, right? I think we got some glimpses. Like in this, you know, when he came back in the game to end that second quarter and in a little bit of that third quarter, we saw some good zoo playing good defense and drop coverage like we've seen throughout the season. Wasn't getting torched, doing a decent job of dropping just enough, though, that he can still maybe contest the jumper and then get back to DeAndre Ayton. And I thought he did a decent job more often than not. Eh, I wouldn't even say more often than not. I would say for a stretch, like late in that second quarter, maybe being in that third quarter. But Mason Plumley, I thought, in this game was the better center. I thought he made some fantastic passes, including a behind-the-head like, pass or over-the-shoulder pass to save the ball late in that first quarter and found Eric Gordon for three. I mean, that was amazing. And Mason Plumley, I think he's done good work in the dunker spot. You even saw him in drop coverage today against Chris Paul because we know, you know he's not really attacking the rim like that. And I thought, you know, the Suns and the Clippers, they clearly saw the scouting report. Force Norman Powell, try to funnel him to his left, ice him to his left on every screen. Clippers, for the most part, trying to do the same with Chris Paul. But CP, I mean, he had an amazing game in this one. Just some really tough shots in isolation in this game. And also, for the first time in this series, seemed like he blew by someone, Mason Plumley. I don't know if that's saying much, but he had some really tough shots in isolation. He even had a shot in offensive rebound where he threw it over his left shoulder on a turnaround, and he was just in the zone. The thing is, when you get let CP go to his right, it's a different ball game, and almost all of them were going to his right or in isolation. The ones going to his right, you can, I try to prevent all you want, he's still gonna find a way to get some of them off and pick and roll. Um, but I thought we did a decent job with that. It's just they have more firepower. I mean, Russell Westbrook was creating a lot of good shots. I thought Terrence Mann was fantastic. This was his best game of the series thus far for me. He was knocking down shots. He did a really solid job on KD. Um, but the Clippers only scored 17 points in the second quarter. Went to halftime only down by one. It felt really similar to the first, uh, so to game three, I'm sorry. We were just turning the ball over too much. That's why we weren't really in the lead. It felt like we were doing such a great job. You know, Eric Gordon was holding his own against KD, who wasn't really going at him. Zubats was doing a decent job in drop coverage overall. I'm surprised we still went to that strategy only a couple of times. He hedged and then, you know, recovered. Most More often than not, he was in drop. But I think the guys at the point of attack, their effort level was so good. You know, Actually, by the way, um, what am I saying with Norman Powell guarding uh, Booker? It was Russell Westbrook mainly guarding Booker. Apologies. It was Russell Westbrook mainly guarding Booker and then Eric Gordon guarding KD. But at times, Norman was switched on to Book and he didn't do that bad. But Russ, I mean, again, his fighting over screens, the way he's been getting back into the play, you know, on KD, on Book, everybody really – it's been phenomenal. His defense has just been spectacular. And I never in a million years could have expected him to be this good in the playoffs. You know, it's, it's been unbelievable. But I felt pretty decent. However, the third quarter has been the third quarter for the Phoenix Suns in this series. Mainly Devin Booker taking over the game. And it's just kind of started happening again. But KD started getting in on the act. That's what was tough. You know, Marcus Morris, I don't think he gave us anything really in that first half. And still he was playing too much. Terrence Mann didn't come back into the game after his first stint until like the two-minute mark of the first half. And Nico, I mean, it's insane. So Nico can miss shots, but he plays good defense. And now he only gets six minutes in a game. But Marcus Morris and Reggie have the the largest leash, the longest leash, I should say, in the world – they get to miss shot after shot but continue to play 20 to 30 minutes per game before the front half, front office has to come in and try to push Ty Lue to make a change. It's kind of a summary of our season in a way, or not a summary of our season, but just a, a theme of our season, you can say. It's been very, very frustrating, to say the least, and I don't think Marcus Morris Sr. did much for us in the second half either in that third quarter. I was just like... Dude, he can't really guard. He's not making his shots. He's got no elevation on his jumper anymore. It sucks to see. And, I mean, if there's any team he's going to play decently against, it's the Suns that he can match up against because they're not the quickest in the world. But it still was a struggle for him. We even had him try to guard Chris Paul at some points, which actually, it didn't get abused or anything like that. I can see why we did that, because CP is not the fastest in the world off the bounce. But we were really just staying in the game because of Russ. Mainly, I thought, you know, we had some, I said, decent stretches by Zoo, but overall four points, nine rebounds. Like, that's the, I mean, and I have to, you know, take my L on this one. You know, Zoo, I've been backing him all season long, but he's been a real disappointment in this series. A real disappointment. And I said before the season, I've been preaching throughout the season, that if it's a Zubats, is a championship caliber starting center and he's not looking like that right now because the thing about zoo is there are two zoos one that is super aggressive tries to dunk box shots super engaged defensively aggressive when he gets the ball and goes up strong around the rim then there's another zoo that has plays like a softy can't catch the ball is really not very engaged doesn't call for the ball. Doesn't really try to seal. Doesn't go up for a rebounds aggressively and just complains. And I think in this series, we've gotten a really timid of Zubots. Zubats. And that really hurts, honestly, because we've needed him to play better than this. And it's not like DeAndre Ayton's like killing him or something. We just haven't gotten the best version of zoo And you can say there's a, obviously a big reason is drop coverage is zoo's primary. You know, that's what he's done all season. He's what he's really good at. But these guys are drop coverage killers with the mid-range mafia. However, we saw him have good moments in drop in this game. What about the other stuff? What about actually trying to be an offensive option for us? And now that part of that is on Ty Lu. But what about being ready for passes? You know, fumbling the ball, acting like Kwame Brown. Like, we've talked about this with Zoo in games that he's had, you know, throughout his Clipper tenure. And it really disappoints me because I've gone to bat for him so much this season and just throughout his Clipper tenure, and I still love Zoo. I'm not going to say trade him or anything like that, nothing reckless, but I do have some doubts about if, if we want a championship team, I don't know if he can start. However, he's young. Honestly, that's really harsh. He's pretty young, so make him work through his mistakes. But maybe if we can—I mean, if there's a better center out there and zoo could be a backup, that would be fantastic on a championship team. If the aspirations aren't championship and we our team looks completely different next season, then of course I'm down to have zoo start. But point blank, I don't want to get too much into like next season stuff. He wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough in this game. But the Clippers somehow managed to stay in it. They were outscored by four in the third quarter, so they went into the fourth down by five. And I was just—you know—I was watching the game with my dad, and I was like. It just feels too similar to the last game. You know, we are taking care of the ball better in this second half, you know. But, like, in the first half, we had 10 turnovers. Only turned the ball over three times in the second half. So, and then, you know, that's a lot of that's on Russ. It was kind of the same thing. He t- took better care of the ball in the second half. Four turnovers in the game for him. But the Suns, you know, KD, we actually put Robert. We actually put Robert Covington in the game, which was cool to see. Didn't really get to do much. I mean, he had played eight minutes, so more than Nico. He we went away from Nico in the second half. A couple times he got switched on, to, or he switched on to KD. Let's just say he couldn't guard Kevin Durant. And there was one moment where KD had a crossover, left to right hand, pulled up, got an N one, and that's kind of a, a play that kind of, you know, encapsulates Kevin Durant's skill and just his player profile in one play, you know. His ability to handle the ball looks like a a complete forward, but he's the height of a center. Just amazing skill on display by, you know, one of the best scorers to ever play the game. And it just became tough, you know, when CP's making shots, when Book's making shots, when KD's making shots. You know, Terrence, man, was trying hard, and I thought he had some really good defensive possessions on KD, forcing him to take tough shots because, you know, Terrence struggles with some of those quicker guards, but against guys like KD who don't have the, you know, quickest first step. And, and I, honestly, I think we underestimate and we don't talk about enough that, you know, as good as Kevin Durant has looked since coming off the Achilles injury, he does not have the same burst that he once did. And it's, you know, it definitely hurts him as a scorer. He really just lives off contested jumpers these days. And, you know, those are layups, especially in the mid-range for him at times. But it's not the same as it once was. He doesn't just clear guys the same way. But Robert Covington, let's just say he couldn't really guard him and it became too tough. It became too tough, but I got to give Russell Westbrook credit. You know, at one point, we got it down to 91-93 with about seven minutes left. Then CP, the Stars, the Big Four, just hitting shots, and they were hard to guard in the pick and roll. And, you know, one play that's hard to guard, Devin Booker, the tough part about him, you can funnel Chris Paul to to his right, or to his left, I'm sorry, but Book and KD, they can go both ways, stop on a dime. There was one play where we were guarding Devin Booker in the pick and roll, went over the screen. He had a high screen, KD in the weak side corner we talked about before the series Chris Paul with that play pick and roll with Ayton with KD in the weak side corner But now with book he slung that shit across the court with his right hand right on the money and KD wide open three and that's butter and I got to give us but I got to give Russell Westbrook credit. He played so hard He went right at Devin Booker right at Landry Shaman in the first half at KD He was an absolute warrior. And his three-ball falling, I mean, you could not script it that way. I got it. It's the same story, man. You know, Norman Powell didn't play very well in this one. That's not the same story. But I just meant the same story in the sense that, you know, the guys tried so hard. I'm really proud of the fight. The Suns don't look that impressive. But at the same time, it is hard to guard those players of that caliber. And we're just shorthanded. And it's just very unfortunate. The Clippers lose it both home games, this one by a score of 112 to 100, and we go down 3-1 in the series. Gonna read the stat lines now. Apologies for the lags; the computer's just so hot and it's been doing that. Suns bench only going nine deep: Shamit, Damian Lee, Biombo, and Akogi. Shamit played five minutes and was 0 for 2 with a donut. Look, man, I remember being sad about us trading Shamit, and that was such a great trade. To get Luke Kennard. Uh, Luke is a much better player than Shamit. And Landry Shamit, when he doesn't start, he's not the same player. When he starts, he has a much more confidence. I noticed that in 2019. And, and, you know, you can argue he's not a starting shooting guard on a certain team. We've seen him be a starting shooting guard on a playoff team. Can he still do that? I don't know. But I don't really care. When he left the Clippers and he signed with Brooklyn or they traded him, I'm sorry. All he did was, you know, post Alicia Keys and Jay-Z Empire State of Mind. Um on his Instagram story. No thank you, Clipper Nation, no nothing. We supported that man, took him in, and we know, celebrated him. So I just don't really fuck with that. No hard feelings though with Sham. It's just like ah, I don't really fuck he's eh, whatever. But uh, I'll still he's still always gonna be famous and, and legendary for this moment. For this very moment. Doesn't get better than that, does it? But anyway. <laughs> Who else? I mean, nobody else for the Phoenix Suns really does anything special on the bench. You know, Bismack Biombo, 12 minutes, 3 points, 2 boards. Damian Lee was over 1 with a donut. Josh Kogi 6 points. And if they want to beat the Denver Nuggets, they are going to need Cam Payne. They are going to need Cameron Payne. The starters... Torrey Craig just continues to be lights out in this series. 8 points, 5 rebounds, 4 for 7 from the field. But he was 0 for 2 from 3, which it didn't feel like that. DeAndre Ayton, 15 points, 13 boards, 2 steals and 2 blocks. 5 turnovers, though. I mean, I don't really know what to say. He was okay. 7 for 13. I'm not looking at it from a son's perspective. CP3, he had a really good game, though. 19 points, 4 rebounds, 9 assists. 3 steals and 3 blocks. The one thing about him, I think he got away with a couple of fouls like usually with his reaching ass, but he did a good job of getting his hands active and you know poking the ball away. And he has some of the best hands I've ever seen. There's no doubt about that. I saw it firsthand for six years, so not much more to say there. My computer's tripping sack right now, but I, I hope the audio's fine. Kevin Durant, 31 points, 11 rebounds, and six assists. 9 for 17 from the field and 3 for 4 from deep. 10 for 11 from the line. I mean, he was pretty good in this game. Three turnovers. Devin Booker led the way. I'm sorry, no, he didn't lead the way. KD had more points than him. Devin Booker at 30. Nine rebounds, seven assists, three steals. Four turnovers, though. On 10 for 21 from the field, 3 for 6 from deep, and 7 for 8 from the line. Devin Booker. I mean, in my opinion, he's been the best player overall in this series, one of the best players in the playoffs. He's been absolutely cooking. We've had no answer for him. He's been hitting from – and he's been playing so much too, you know, over 40 minutes each game. And you got to hand it to him for that. Um, I, I think that, though, he definitely – like, it's just annoying seeing the Suns, again, have to play us with injuries. And, you know not play a complete team and that was the whole story of their 2021 western conference finals run was playing teams that were injured so it really just pisses me off but being available is part of the game and it is part of the championship quest and the clippers have failed in that respect and the suns right now have had the advantage done what they needed to do honestly i'm not even going to the i honestly know what i'm gonna do i'm not even gonna go to the box score on on my computer we'll save some some battery We'll do it on my phone, so that way it's not going to be as laggy in the stream, because my computer's already heating up. If anybody has any tips on how to not get your computer to heat up like a fucking sauna, please let me know, because I've reduced some clutter on it recently, but Jesus, man. Anyway, so now I get to read the stats on my phone. So if I'm looking down, y'all, and I'm not looking at you in the camera, uh, it's only because I'm looking at these stats, but let's go to it. Suns and the Clippers for the Clippers. We went with the 10-man rotation, Nico, Rocco, Mason, Bones, and Terrence. Nico obviously played the least six minutes, a donut. Look, I want to say that Nico's had four bad games. In fairness to, to Nico, he's had three bad games. This doesn't really count. He played six minutes. Very unfair, but I'm going to get to the big picture in a second. And then, let's see. Why am I, I don't know why I, I went away from that the box score right there, dumbass. <laughs> Robert Covington played eight minutes, had a donut, and was 0 for two. Um, I thought he took one very ill advised three, but he has a tendency to do that. I think. I mean, there's not much to go off there. He couldn't guard Kevin Durant. Sue him. Doesn't really he didn't really get a chance all season long. So Bones Highland, eighteen minutes. I, he had five points, two for six on the field, one for five from deep thought he was okay. Not great, really. All his threes were long. Don't know why. All his threes were long. We could have used a little bit more of a scoring boost. But I think he was out there because his speed, his pace. uh, And and he actually got a couple of steals. I remember that steal on Kevin Durant in the fast break. Only one steal. I'm sorry. Of course. (laughs) But he was a plus four. So he did have some good positive minutes. And then there was... If it's Zubots who played 24, I'm sorry, no, Mason Plumley, who played 19 minutes, thought he was really good. 8.6 rebounds and 3 assists on 3 for 4 from the field in 19 minutes. But overall, when Mason's hedging and recovering on the screens, he doesn't do a very good job, in my opinion. The Suns get good looks every time. So defensively, I think we bleed more points with Mason overall. But I think you can argue he's had a better series than Zoo. He, um But Zubat was really good in Game 1. I don't want to take that away from him. And then there's Marcus Morris Sr., who was 3-for-13 from the field, 1-for-8 from deep, 9 points and got cooked basically the whole game. Yeah. I think anybody could have predicted that. Look, it's nothing personal with Sr. he's just passed it. He's had a lot of injuries, a lot of wear and tear. How about EJ? Not great. 32 minutes played, 10 points, 4 for 8 from the field, 2 for 6 from deep. Thought he took, there was one 3 from the left wing that was just super unnecessary. Thought he should have turned the corner on Chris Paul and tried to drive by him, airballed. I think there was maybe one or two other shots that were a little questionable, but I mean 4 for 8 is not bad, and his defense on Kevin Durant was not terrible either. I mean, in the first half, the fact that he was able to keep him in check was, was amazing. But granted, I think that was a little bit more about Kevin Durant just not really going at him. But I thought he held his owner. I think EJ overall in this series has been good defensive EJ. It's been the offense that's been so inconsistent and for the most part, not really what you've expected or what we have needed of him with our guys having gone down. It's really about having gone down. We needed a little bit more. So I'm a little disappointed in EJ. And then there's Terrence Mann, who I thought was really good. 13 points, 2 rebounds, 4 assists. He played 30 minutes, but the fact that EJ's playing more than him Norman Powell is playing seven more minutes than him when he was four for 15. Now, granted, Norm should probably be playing 37 minutes because he was so great last game and he's the best scorer we've got in terms of in this regular season, most efficient scorer, best scorer, more than Westbrook. Sorry, Westbrook fans. But in the, but when Russ is playing like this, of course, Norm is not a better scorer than him. At least, a, yeah, not a better scorer than him when Russ is playing like this. But Terrence Mann was fantastic. The point I was trying to make was that he shouldn't be getting 7 less minutes than Norm. He shouldn't be getting only 30 minutes when he's the guy that has so much stamina, so much endurance, and can play all day. So, 13 points, 3 for 4 from deep, even one step back. 5 for 9 from the field three, thir- in 30 minutes. And then there's Norman Powell. 14 points, 4 boards on 4 for 15 from the field and 2 for 6 from deep. I mean, he couldn't do it again. It's tough. It's tough, you know. You're asking a lot of him. Two for six from deep. Mm. Just need a little bit more. And then the man himself, Russell Goatbrook. Four straight awesome performances from Russ. 37 points, six rebounds, four assists, 17 for 29 from the field, so he was uber aggressive, but efficient. Three for six from deep in 40 minutes to go along with some great Defense. The man was so engaged, so determined, led by example, left his heart and soul on that floor, and he's done it in every game. And I predicted before the series this would be his best playoff series since 2017. Absolutely unequivocally, yes, he's been better than I could have ever imagined. The Clippers overall, as a team, shot 43.5% from the field. Which obviously, isn't very good. Only 32% from deep, 12 for 37. So that just sucks. The Suns, on the other hand, 49% from the field and 41% from deep. Only 22 three-point attempts, but they were fairly efficient at them. Again, the foul shots, uh, 21, to, 21 out of 27 for the Suns, 8 for 10 for the Clippers, so 17 more foul shots. Russ did go to the uh, rim a good amount, and there were some calls that weren't given to him. But overall, I'm going to be serious. I don't think the officiating was that horrendous in this one. It was terrible in Game 3. But upon watching it on TV, I don't think it was that ridiculous. I think the Suns genuinely got fouled more. I think it's just hard when the two best players in the series are on the other team. You can make an argument that Westbrook has outplayed Kevin Rand in the series. A very strong one, in fact. And if you really want to go far, maybe you can argue he's been the best player in the series. But I disagree with that. Because Devin Booker's team is up 3-1. He hasn't turned the ball over as much. Um, He didn't have a 3-for-19 game, despite the fact that Westbrook was amazing at the end but book i mean he's been pretty damn good in every game game one he wasn't great but if we're holding him to the westbrook standard then you can say that he was still decent i think book's been the best player in the series sue me but you can argue westbrook's been better than kd which if you had told somebody before the series will Russ be better than kd in the series i don't think many people that weren't Russ stands would have said yes so i just got to give him so much credit for that but the two best players in this series are on the Phoenix Suns. And that makes it very hard when Kawhi is out to win these games when the game is close in the fourth quarter. Talent wins out when it comes to that. Talent wins out. And I admire the boys for fighting. It's just a very tough position to be in, and they're repeatedly in this position. Before I move on to the Laker games, I got some thoughts. I'm not going to just get everything out like you guys want me to in this episode. We're going to wait till, uh, you know, the nail's in the coffin. And, you know, it basically is. But until our team is fishing, until it says four games to the Phoenix Suns one, then I'm not going to, you know, get all into the whole season and how disappointed I am in all this. All I'm going to say is, man, Ty Lue, to play Marcus Morris like that, is just a microcosm of the season. It's not the reason we lost. Nico Batum, he's been very disappointing in this series. If it's Zubots, has really disappointed me as well. And I've, as I said, been his biggest advocate or one of his biggest advocates. But there's got to be somebody we got to talk about. And that's Russell Westbrook. I was so wrong. It's amazing how sometimes even I can get humbled in a sense that situation really does mean more than I think sometimes. And the Lakers, who are absolutely better off without him and that is not a total shot at Russ it's just a matter of the fit with that particular group of players nothing more than that Russell Westbrook is also better off without the Lakers it was a win-win situation you know I heard some things I never really go out and say these kind of things and I'm gonna you know I'm not gonna really get into it on this But let's just say you can tell when an individual doesn't feel wanted, doesn't feel appreciated, acts a little bit out of character, and just is thinking too much on the basketball court. And Russell Westbrook was just thinking too much on the basketball court. And I think that, you know, Vogel, LeBron, AD, you know, you can say, and all the stuff with the cameras, you know, I remember LeBron talking about, I told him to go watch a nice movie tonight or something. Look, the body language on the court. The body language when they when we played them, it doesn't feel and seem like a guy that was fully embraced. And maybe he wasn't the beginning. It felt like it wasn't the beginning, but when he started going a little bit shitty, it was clear that things were not great on the inside. And Russell Westbrook, that was that had us convinced that he was not really good at basketball at the NBA level anymore. And honestly, that had nothing to do with people not wanting him because people not wanting him is based on his playoff history. And, you know, you can say the same thing about Paul George, too. You can. But Paul George did, you know, get us to the conference finals in that second round against Utah. Russell Westbrook, you know, one of the big flaws or cons that people say about him is that he's never led a team as the best player past the first round. And it's truth. It's absolutely truth. It's a fact. Um, you can debate it all you you know why or what not on all these reasons all you want but it's just I don't blame Clipper fans for being skeptical especially when he wasn't playing very good basketball on, against, across the hall but I was wrong I underestimated fit I underestimated what Russell had in the tank his jump shooting just the way you know I think his fingers don't have the tape anymore or whatever and it seems like his shot doesn't have that hitch anymore he's shooting without hesitation he's making a higher percentage he still has so much burst I underestimated his passing. Russell Westbrook has been one of my favorite players of all time. I've rooted for him for my whole entire life, really. I know before he was really on the Lakers. And, you know, I I root for him when he's just playing against, you know, against the Blazers in the series or against Utah. Like, I'm a Russ fan. For him to be on my team and, you know, me not being super excited about it was tough. It really was. But I'm so happy to be wrong, and I said that even then. It's been such an absolute joy to have Russ on this team. Yeah, he has his flaws, he ain't perfect on the court. But it seems like, just like everywhere else besides the Lakers, nobody can say anything bad about him. It seems like the morale within the locker room has not gone down at all since he's come, if anything, gone up. I think the way he seems to get the best out of the players around him on the court is super impressive. And, you know, as much as I love John Wall, it felt like when John Wall came to the Clippers, he was trying to prove to everybody he was still John Wall. Russ is just trying to prove that he can help a team win basketball games now. And the way he has shown when to get off like he did, you know, in these games without Paul George and Kawhi and then take a step back and just let them do their thing. Also be okay with being on the bench and just cheering on his guys. I mean, you got to give credit to the Clipper fans, the media, the team, the coaching staff in that respect. The way they've taken Russ in and gotten the best out of him. I mean, even if he plays three bad games, the series goes to seven, which it won't unless Russ plays great. But let's say, you know, we lose the next game and Russ plays like trash. It doesn't matter. He had four good games. He had a great series. I would love to bring him back next year. He's one of my favorite players of all time. And he's, I'm having so much fun having him on the team. He's so fun to root for. And, you know, the Clippers always have problems anyway. We always have a history of choking in the playoffs. If that's correlated with Russ, if we're going to get through it together, we're going to get through it together. And if we don't, hey, we're going to have some fun along the way. That's how I feel about it with Russ. Russ. But that's all I got to say about the Clippers, man. Uh, you know, we'll wait till they're dead and gone. And look, man, you can say I'm ready to be put out of my misery, but I would love to go to another game. I definitely want to go to another game. I mean, and obviously, if we come back from 3 1, it's just it's so unlikely unless we get Paul George back. But I, I mean, I don't think Kawhi's coming back, man. Let's talk about the Lakers real quick. This game ended in the first quarter. Um, I know the Teddy Bears made a push. But this game ended in the first quarter. I'm a, This is an L.A. sports channel. I'm an L.A. sports diehard. A lot of Clipper fans don't like how they say I'm pro-Laker. I don't think I'm pro-Laker. I think I just came from a family of respectful Laker fans that didn't hate the Clippers. And they were like, dude, stop hating the Lakers because I don't hate the Clippers. And I grew up with Laker fans that didn't just hate the fucking Clippers. So I never really had ill will towards them, and they've never broken my heart. Does that mean I root for them? No. I root for them over like the Celtics in the championship, yes, for the city. But I never really consider them a real rival of the Clippers. Um, And we've had our way with them in the regular season recently. And they they had their way with us in the regular season for many, many years before that, for years and years, the whole history. But we haven't played in the playoffs. And who won the most important Laker-Clipper game ever? We did this season. So... I don't really have anything against them like that, but my point I was trying to say with that was, I'm really into this crowd shit, right? Eleven years ago, I was very blessed with the opportunity to go to a Clipper and a Laker game on back-to-back nights, playoffs. Clippers Grizzlies game four, Lakers Nuggets game five, and it was night and day difference. Like the Clipper game was insanity sea of red booming from the first quarter the laker game it was like a hyped regular season game that only got super late in the fourth quarter when kobe started leading the comeback charge it felt like just it just felt like it was the obvious you know and then i also went to games the next year without kobe and it was like just regular season shit just a good regular season atmosphere and then if you watch like i recently rewatched the 08 first round against denver um, With the Lakers And then now watching 09 against Utah And I watched basically You know I, I grew up with the Kobe Lakers uh, With Gasol though And then right before Gasol No first round game Was as loud as that None To start a game I mean Just none There's no I can't Any game 7 Like You can't tell me nothing Like The Was there even a game 7 In the first round That the Lakers hosted I don't think the Lakers hosted a Game 7, besides the Denver one. And that was not where near as loud as this. This was insane. This was one of, this was like Western Conference. I mean, that sounded louder than the 08 Western Conference Finals, man. It's That's a si- the sound of a franchise's fans that's used to winning and now tasted what losing really feels like. Got a taste of what we felt like for just a little bit. And obviously, you know, the fact that they won a championship and still LeBron and AD haven't played in front of a sold-out Laker playoff crowd. I mean, you know, I one of the kids that I coached was at the game. I mean, happy for him that he got to experience that. I mean, it was just sounded booming. And, you know, it's it's just crazy, you know. It's kind of sad for me as a Clipper fan that the one thing I used to hang my hat on with, with the atmosphere was that the Clippers in the playoffs blew the Lakers out of the water. Um, but it seems like the tables have kind of turned. Laker fans just kind of got to kick up the ass and we're like, all right, we missed this. We're back. we are got to show you how much we care about our team. And I mean, Laker fan, L- 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 LA loves basketball and the Lakers are the, you know, the prime attraction. I think the Lakers have, I wouldn't say the most fans in LA. I think the Dodgers have surpassed them in that respect. Lakers have a bigger worldwide fan, because I think basketball is a bigger sport globally. Um, but I think that people care more about the Lakers because um, it's basketball People love basketball. I think that the Dodgers have a lot of fans like me where we love the Dodgers. We care a lot. We don't watch every game of baseball. The Lakers are the talk of the town. you know basketball is the talk of the town. You know, growing up, obviously I'm in basketball circles, but when it came to sports talk, people were talking more about the Clippers than the Dodgers growing up, because this is basketball. This is LA ba- LA breeze this shit. You know, we love this game. And you saw that with the Lakers t- fans tonight, man, booing Dylan Brooks getting in his head, and DB, I mean, this fucking idiot, <laughs> for a basketball player, not as a man, is just one of the lowest IQ offensive players I've seen. Defense has given him shots all day long, and he just kept chucking his team out of the game. The The crowd had the teddies rattled, man. They were flustered. I got to give credit to John Morant. John Morant to play through that pain and then still play that well in that fourth, from what I heard, got to give the man a cre- credit. The series is not over. Game four is going to be huge. Lakers win that one, they got this. But the way they came out energy-wise on defense was just another level, one through five. I mean, A.D., Braun, you know, scoring, attacking loose balls. It was just they fed off the building's energy. It was, it was, you know, that's what a playoff crowd can do. And Anthony Davis was a beast. LeBron was real good. It was just the electric factory, man. It was. And, I, you know, it pains me to say as a Clipper fan, Although, you know, the, uh, as far as the Clipper crowd today, it didn't sound very good in the first half. It sounded like it was an afternoon game. And shame on the schedule makers, man. It just sucks to be third priority in this arena. I love Stable Center to death. I'm there right now, as you can see. <laughs> but, you know, man, it's going to be nice when we move to the Intuit Dome because we'll actually have prioritization with scheduling. And obviously, a building that breeds better atmosphere. The three levels of suites. It makes it a little bit, you know, it hurts. I mean, the Lakers, you know, the problem is, the difference mainly is, the Clipper fans, the diehard Clipper fans that go to the playoff games, they're loud as fuck. The problem is, there are too many that are just Laker fans that sympathize with the Clippers, or neutrals, or transplants that, you know, like the Clippers, but they're not going to go defense on every possession. So the percentage of diehards is just larger at a Laker game. So that's what the Clippers got to do is keep building diehards. And I think they're going to obviously continue to do that in the Bomber era. But teams like this don't help, in my opinion. They really don't. Um, But the Lakers got the job done, man. Let's go to the box score. Um, Rui Hachimura, by the way, has just been absolutely insane in this series. He has come in and given them a spark in every single one of the games. It's, oh, sorry to keep complaining, Laker fans, but it's so annoying that we played Game Four before y'all played Game Three, and you're the healthy team, and we're the one with the injuries. Like, not to say that Kawhi and, and Paul would have played, but it's just it's just very unfair. It also sucks for the fans, you know, the morning game. But whatever, I mean, it is what it is. We weren't probably gonna win. Probably weren't gonna win anyway. But let's look at the, let's look at the game cast. Let's see the quarter score: thirty five to nine after one nine. That just goes to show you how locked in the Lakers were defensively. And Anthony Davis, he has just been a man amongst boys in this series defensively. He's been the best player on the Lakers through three games. He's been the best player on the Lakers this season. That's no disrespect to LeBron James. The only reason why I have to even preface that with no disrespect is the motherfuckers are sensitive. But here's the thing. I'm not confirming that he's better than me yet because I need to see in the higher levels who's going to be the man. LeBron still has that confidence of I'm gonna be the greatest player to ever play the game. A.D., he still has those moments where he can be a little timid. But defensively, he has been a monster. And I remember he threw it down a dunk off an offensive rebound in that first quarter. And he just let out a roar. And I was like, man, he's fired up. This place is fired up. I mean, I, again, I just haven't seen a lake that You you could not find a Laker first-round game that sounded like that since Shaq was here. I promise you. I promise you. And my good friend Ocean's Wave that we had on the Why Kobe Lost the Two Finals The Only Two Finals He's Lost episode. If you haven't checked that out, why don't you check it out? It's early Dime Dropper. We put some footage in there, so you can go check it out. But Ocean said he agrees. He watches a lot of old Laker footage. When I say old, I mean recent history. I'm not talking forum, because I hear the forum used to be bouncing. I'm talking Staples Center, because the noise level at Staples Center, it's a hockey stadium. You know, it's three levels of suites. The sound just goes. It's so big. It's so tall. So it's not the best for noise. But let's read the... uh, So 35 to 9 after 1. The Grizzlies outscored the Lakers twenty eight to eighteen in the second. So one thing about the Lakers' offense, they went very cold. They went very cold, and I got to give the Grizzlies credit. You know, the only way you can stay in a game when your shot's not falling is defense, and you got a rebound. And their defense is still shown in this series why they are so solid. Third quarter. This one I didn't watch at all. Thirty one to thirty five, Lakers won that one, and then the Grizzlies outscored them thirty three to twenty three in the fourth. Lakers win it 111 to 101. Take a 2 1 series lead and are now one game away from taking a 3 1 lead. Let's read the stat lines for the Teddy Bears. Um, they played a 10 man rotation. John Conchar, who I really gave a lot of credit to in game two, only played nine minutes, had a donut, four boards, 0 for 1. Santi Aldama played 11 minutes. He had six points, two boards, and two for seven from the field in 11 minutes. Roddy, who, it's funny, there there were moments where some of the fans were booing Roddy, thinking it was Brooks, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, Two points on one for four shooting and 0 for three from deep in 13 minutes, so not really a great game from Roddy. The guy that's really been disappointing in this series for the Memphis Teddy Bears is Tyus Jones. Two straight really, really poor shooting nights. A donut for him. 0 for seven from the field and 0 for five from three in 17 minutes. Are you kidding me? Tyus Jones, you got to step it up, brother. I think you're one of the best, if not the best, backup point guard in the game. Actually, no, Malcolm Brogdon, in my opinion. But Tyus is really good. He's an argument. Nuketown, 25 minutes, four points for him, three boards, three assists, two for four from the field, and only 0 for one from deep. So the Lakers clearly making it a point of emphasis to not let him come off for open threes, run him off the line, did a good job of that. And then the starters, Dylan Brooks, 19 minutes played, seven points, 3 for 13 from the field, 1 for 5 from deep, and was booed loudly and cheered heavily on every miss. The Laker fans did a good job of helping to get in his head and, you know, kind of make him just keep chucking. Just keep chucking. Just keep chucking. Xavier Tillman, 39 minutes played, 6 points, 12 boards on 3 for 5 shooting. Desmond Bain, 18 points, 5 rebounds, had a good shooting night finally. 7 for 14 from the field and 3 for 7 from deep. Yeah, he was 33% in both of the first two games. 6 for 18 in both. So exact same. Hilarious. Finally had a good shooting game. And then Ja. 7. I'm sorry. 40. Holy fuck. 45 points. 45 points, 9 rebounds, 13 dimes. How many turnovers did he have? How many turnovers did the Grizzlies have? Let's see. 18. Yeah, that's going to do it. That's going to be tough. Six for Jaron Jackson. Four for Bane. Three for Ja. Wow, 13 assists, only three turnovers. I'll take that off your jaw. 13 for 26 from the field. 50%. Six for 10 from three. Holy shit. 60% and then nine boards. 13 for 14 from the line. Wow, the Grizzlies shot 18 for 20 from the foul, foul line. Got to give them credit for that. Wow. Then for the Lakers, the winners in this one. Played a nine-man, no, ten-man, well, Wenyan Gabriel got one minute, so a nine-man rotation. Malik Beasley only got 13 minutes, doesn't offer much, just a shooter, very one-dimensional. A donut, uh, 0-for-2, 0-for-1 from deep. Troy Brown, 17 minutes, got some cardio in, had a nice block, though. Two points, three boards, one for three from the field in 17 minutes. Jared Vanderbilt, 21 minutes, a donut, only shot once. Played some good D, though, was part of that good start and really good activity defensively. Rui Hachimura, 22 minutes, 16 points, 5 boards on 6-for-10 shooting and 2-for-2 two two from deep. He has just been awesome. Just been awesome. Dennis Schroder, 24 minutes, 7 points, 3 assists on 3-for-6 shooting and 1-for-3 from deep. Those are the bench guys. And then the other four. D'Angelo Russell, 31 minutes played, 17 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists. The Lakers turned the ball over 13 times in this one. D'Lo with only two turnovers. And he shot five for 14 from the field and two for seven from deep. So D'Lo not shooting very well in this series. Again, he has not had one playoff series in his career yet where he has shot the ball well. So just keep an eye on that. It's not a big deal yet because it's 2-1 Lakers. But we'll see going forward. Austin Reeves, he was really good in the first half. Thought he was electric. Scored early. Was Defending well. 13.6 boards, 5 for 10 from the field, 1 for 4 from deep. Lakers only 7 for 28 from 3 in this game, so just 25%. That definitely hurt them. Grizzlies 13 for 39 from deep, so 33%. But the Teds only shot 37.6% from the field. The Lakers, 45.6%. Then the two guys, the big boys. LeBron, 25 points, 9 rebounds, 5 dimes on 10 for 20 shooting, but he was 0 for 4 from deep. 5 for 7 from the line, 3 turnovers, and then AD. 31 points, 17 rebounds, 2 steals, 3 blocks, 11 for 24 from the field, 1 for 4 from deep. I like it when he shoots less threes. And 8 for 10 from the line. The Lakers win it, 111-101 to 101 to take a 2-1 lead. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll be live again on Sunday for a bunch of different games. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on. If you want to jump a dollar or a dime?